Welcome to Studio Kitchen Colorado, home of the modern eater. I'm Juan Padro, and I'm sitting in for Greg Hollenbeck while he's on a beach down in Florida doing who knows what. But we're super excited about our show today. We've got an incredible lineup. Uh, we have Chef Taj Cook coming in from Miss Betty's, and uh, he's going to do a little bit of Rastafarian food, Ital vegan food. And we're going to talk a little bit about his story. Fael Ali from Illa Gallery, good friend of mine, doing Black History Month. Amanda Faison, my co-host from Dining Out, former editor of 5280, uh, esteemed food writer. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you here. <laughs> yes. Thank so, you. That's amazing. And Adrian Miller, the soul food scholar. Man, his new book, Black Smoke, is all the talk in the food world right now, and he's gonna talk a little bit about Black History Month and food, and he's just gonna drop some knowledge on us today. And of course, uh, episode two of Where Juan Eats, uh, we're pretty excited about that. So, incredible show, really excited. Amanda, welcome, thanks for co-hosting with me. I needed to bring a big gun in today <laughs> for you. all this talent that we have. <laughs> thanks so, for having me. Awesome, so, Taj. Yes, sir. How you doing, man? Oh, it's good to be here. It has been a little while since you and I have been standing in the kitchen Definitely. together. I Definitely. think it was probably about a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Doing a 5280 spread. Yeah, when we were still and working with Daniel. That's right. We, we got yeah. to sit down and, and break bread. And uh, I always love listening to you talk. And of course, we, we got to sit on some panels and things yeah. like that this summer. And yeah. uh, it's just always good to be around you, man. Definitely. And I'm super proud of what you're doing. So you got a lot of really cool food that you're going to be uh, educating us on today. So is it fair to call this Rastafarian cuisine? Oh, no, this is Rastafarian cuisine and you have a Rastaman making that cuisine. So I love it. So I yeah. love it. So this is everything that I grew up with. Um, so the first time I had meat, I was 10 years old, roughly. <laughs> um, before that, we mainly ate everything from the ground as well as uh, any seafood from the ocean uh, <laughs> straight on a pescatarian diet. We didn't eat red meat. We didn't eat chicken. None of that. Okay. So, so yeah, this is basically yeah. it. This have no animal byproducts in it whatsoever. And this is called ital. Ital. So ital. So like from vital, from the ground. Yes. Okay. Key. So yes. ital literally comes from the word vital. It means that everything that is vital and positive for your body, this is what's in this pot. So, in Rastafarian culture, ital means vital. Vital comes from the word liberty. Liberty mm -hmm. derives from the word positivity. And when everything that you look that is inside this pot, whether it's a turnip, a carrot, the, the ginger, the turmeric, the coconut milk, the allspice berries, the combination of all of that, um, down to even the green banana in its skin that has the iron, mm -hmm. um, which is just a bunch of nutrients. So, so yeah. aside from being healthy and nutrient rich, oh, it's delicious. Uh, and, 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 you know, I mean, nourishment, obviously, we talk about that all the time, but it's, yeah. it's a spiritual experience for a Rastafarian. It is. It is. Eating. It is. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to sit here and classify myself as 100% Rastafarian. My mm -hmm. father can highly debate that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I think that uh, as a Rastafarian and a Rastaman, Rastafarian culture is more of a way of life um, for, for Rastas. As you notice, Bob, he just treats people with love treat people with positive he preached positivity he preached oneness and peace mm -hmm. i think that if the world were to come together and think on this level we can honestly get to uh the utopia that we all imagine you know what i mean i really think that we can all get mm -hmm. to that that utopia that that land you know of milk and honey that we've mm -hmm. all been searching for for hundreds if of we years. could all just as a diverse literally as a diverse world sit around a table yes and eat food together exactly you know and i think food is the common thread it's and i mean you can talk a lot about that i mean yeah. you've seen 
all kinds of different cuisines cooked. You've worked with all different types of chefs. Yeah, the sharing and the gathering. I mean, yeah. that's that's what brings people together. Right. And yes. like the most basic level is food. Right. Absolutely. And, yeah, and it's 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 commonality, and that's what we need to continue to find. Yeah, Absolutely. and we're going to be talking a lot about that with uh, but you know it's Black History Month. We're super excited about you know being able to feature some folks that I think are just incredible talents in Colorado. Uh, Taj, you know, happy to be talk here. Talk to us about this. Talk about this rice, man. Yeah. Oh, so incredible. Please. So this <laughs> right here is something that my granny used to do for me, and I've never really seen anyone else done it in the culinary world other than myself and from where I come from. Um, this is a burnt thyme basmati rice. Mm -hmm. So basically is that we're gonna cook rice the same way that you do. Water, rice, salt, yeah. some fat. Our fat is coconut oil. Yeah. So there's no animal product in this mm -hmm. whatsoever. And then we take thyme and we literally light it on fire with this torch. Okay. Light it on fire. What it does is it wakes up a lot of that oil that is within that time. And if you use it on wet, on a fresh thyme, rather than dry thyme leaves where it will burn, mm -hmm. on that fresh thyme will end up soaking into, it won't light the farm, the thyme on fire directly per se, but what it will do is it will start to shrivel up, yeah. dehydrate that leaf a little bit. So, so all that oil. Release the oil Exactly, okay. releases that oil and then when you put it right on top and just capsulate it, all that burnt flavor soaks into that rice, all that thyme and that oil uh, and whatever else, the coconut oil, the garlic, yeah. pinch of salt. Yeah, and you have a whole, you whole, have a whole head of oh. garlic, well, right? Well, garlic, garlic's key, right? Yes, and I'm so, also an yeah. uh, uh, Indian woman's grandson. And uh, uh, so, you know. So I was going to ask about the basmati rice because mm -hmm. I don't always see basmati rice in yeah. Jamaica or no. in the Caribbean in general, but some, occasionally. Yeah. It's, del it's delicious. And I know, in the, you know, I, we were talking about this with some Asian chefs and they yeah. like a lot of the stickier rice and things like that. And yeah. in the Caribbean, the key to good rice is it being fluffy and delicious. But yes. in, in Basmati rice does a good job. And that's what you see. So yeah. one thing within Jamaican culture, so, my, so growing up, um, my mom used to teach me and my sister used to teach me that I couldn't boil water. Like couldn't even <laughs> boil water to save my life. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me to boil water and I'll probably burn the house down. Mm -hmm. So that was me. So. Now, being the chef that I am, it, it blows their mind. They're like, where the hell did this come from? <laughs> yeah. Like, why didn't you know how to cook when you were 12 and 13? Um, but basmati rice, it has to be shelly. You want to see each, or Jamaican rice, you want to see each individual grain. That's right. By seeing each individual grain, that's how you know you've rinsed your rice properly, you've put the right amount of water in there, and now you can actually enjoy. Is that's there butter or oil? You said coconut oil. Coconut oil. Okay, that's yeah. the only fat. Yeah. So right now, there are no animal fat byproduct in any of this. So vegan. Completely. Vegan. Itel. Uh, Itel food is probably the most aggressive form of vegan cuisine. Yeah. Because <laughs> vegan cuisine, you can do a lot of twists and you can do a lot of turns. Um, the only thing where you can consider this vegan is because we added tofu. Mm -hmm. If the tofu was not inside of there, any Rastaman will sit down and tell you that is an Ital dish. Okay. That Without the tofu. So Without yeah, the tofu. Can okay. you, Ital, can you have soy with Ital? That's where the classification, right. yes. Okay. Yeah. In um, okay. some Rastafarian yeah. culture, most Rastafarian right. tribes do not include soy That's right. into their diet. Okay. Because an abundance of soy can actually affect the body. Mm -hmm. And that is a fact. An abundance of anything. Hormones. Yeah. Exactly, mm -hmm. can yeah. affect the body. So that's why Rastas stay away from red meat. And most Rastas do not eat anything that bleeds or died. So all they eat is everything from the ground because uh. my thing is as a Rasta is we're not trying to kill anybody. 
You get what I mean? There's already enough death, death and distraught throughout the world. Mm-hmm. All we're trying to do is live and live peacefully. Yeah, and that stress goes into your body. Exactly. That's so right. when you put yeah. positive things into your body, yeah. imagine how you're going to feel. Right. Imagine if you may have had a negative encounter outside. You come home and eat some Itaal food. Everything inside of there is going to give you that energy. You're probably going to feel a little bit more positive mm-hmm. than how you felt before. Mm-hmm. That is a fact. So Rastafarian cuisine is just more of a way of life. How we live, how we eat, how we breathe, how we walk. Even in my Desert Clarks right here. It's a little dirty. Classics. Not too many people know about these. No, the but these are very yeah. classic. This is yeah. more of a Rastafarian Jamaican shoot. Yeah. We had a man over here that paid a very close yeah. uh, eye yeah. to it. Not many people know, but, right. but the thing is... You know, I wanted to bring you guys the roots today. Well, we're really excited, and I'm yeah. really excited to see this plated up. So we're oh, going to yeah. let your, your yeah. team do a quick introduction of your team over here Please. for me. Um, well, the woman recording, uh, <laughs> that is my lovely wife. That is Danielle Cook, uh, also owner of Miss Betty's Cooking. And this fine, handsome, tall gentleman over here uh, is Josh Pendel Ridgeway. He is uh, my right hand for the past five years. And I'll they're going s- to be plating all this up for us here. Yes. And awesome. Yes. So while they plate it up, let's talk because Taj, I got to, your background is fascinating to yeah, me. Yeah, super you know, interesting. So, you. you know, you, you talk, we talked about, you know, for a long time, we've talked about like the diversity of the Caribbean in general. Yeah. Um, and why don't you give us a background of, you know, I mean, you know your roots. Uh, and I feel like that influences a lot of the food that you do. So it, talk a little bit about that. Well, so... I've always been told that if you don't know where you're coming from, you'll never know where you're going. Mm -hmm. And I've heard that saying as young as I can remember. Mm -hmm. And the first person I ever heard said that was my grandfather. If you don't know where you're coming from, you'll never know where you're going. Mm -hmm. And for me, growing up as a kid, especially growing up as a kid in America, Mm -hmm. I came to America when I was, what, 11 years old. I grew up in New York, spent two years there in Queens. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I went to California. And then my father was also a tour manager. So my mm-hmm. dad tour managed Spearhead before they became Michael Franti and Spearhead. Mm-hmm. Tour managed Dave Matthews, mm-hmm. Ben Harper and Innocent Criminals, Damian Marley, Stephen Marley. He tour managed. We did the Welcome to Jamrock tour, mm-hmm. the Distant Relatives tours with Nas and Damian when they came out with that album, uh, Stephen Marley's Mind Control album, uh, Ziggy Marley's Dragonfly album, and so on and so on. Wow. And uh, my old man was also one of the first cats to bring the Wu-Tang to the Bay Area okay. when they went gold. Old dirty bastard broke the mic and it was a scuffle from what I was told. But some but music and art and food exactly. are all a big part of your background. And, and individuals like us is just I've, I've grown up having numerous conversations. So I believe that um, you have to know where you're coming from. You have to know what you have to say, especially mm-hmm. being someone who's put themselves out there with a voice. You know what I mean? And Jamaica is vast. The, the Caribbean What's in culture, your blood? Well, my blood is different. It, it goes with everything that we're going with right now. Mm-hmm. The whole conversation. I'm complicated. Just like this conversation. <laughs> you get what I mean? It's, it's, I'm a combination of Swedish. My grandfather's mother is an old uh, white woman from Scotland, or from Sweden, um, Sweden if I remember correctly, um, or from Switzerland. And um, her husband was a Ghanaian, so that's how they met, okay. and my grandfather came about. And my grandmother's side, her, her and her family traveled to Jamaica when she was around 13 with her first husband. And my great-great-grandfather was a Hindu priest at the time. That's so incredible. that's one of the reasons why There's my grandmother... so many influences it's, here. It's a convocation. Like, that's why I tell everybody, like, never judge somebody because you never know someone's background. Mm-hmm. You get what I mean? We're all complicated beings. And with me, I'm just a mutt like everybody else. Mm-hmm. 
But the difference is we need to know where we come from. And a lot of the problem with the Caribbean culture is that we never had the books to go back to find out where we come from. Mm. So a lot of this has been coming down from ancestors passing it down and family members telling stories. So a lot of the times when you guys hear me talk and just tell stories, these are stories that I have heard. Mm-hmm. You get what I mean? These are stories that my grandmother and my grandparents told. You talk about the stories. How much, do you, how much, it's, it's, I know it's tough to put a percentage to yeah. it, but how much does food like tell you about your history? Huh. Um, well, this curry powder, for example, mm-hmm. um, this is over 400 years old. What? Yeah. The recipe for it. The recipe. Okay. Is over 400 years old and it's done the exact same way that it was done over 400 years ago. Within your family? Within, Within my family. Okay. The, the amount of ingredients, the way that we toast the spice, the difference is we're not crushing it between uh, two bricks anymore. Um, we're not crushing it between two bricks anymore, but that's basically that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's an amazing ingredient. Um, and also my dad is still doing some research. He thinks that it's actually over 600 years old. Wow. That's incredible. So, um, but yeah, it's, it dates back. But yeah, food. Food to me in the African-American culture is big. Mm-hmm. It is big when it comes to our family. It tells where we are from. And it also tells about the way that we were treated and how we had to flip that around mm-hmm. into our advantage. Because as Caribbeans and even um, uh, African-Americans, my wife and African-Americans in America, um, the ingredients that we were given weren't the best of ingredients to use. They were the scraps. They were the tossaways. And the cooks of the family, the, the, the yeah. yeah, we had to figure it out. We right. had to figure it out how to look at chitlins and, and mm-hmm. bring everything together. They made a piece of chicken turn into the best piece of fried chicken. Now you know where that comes from. We came, um, we're the ones who started jerk chicken. For example, jerk chicken, the history of jerk mm. is fascinating. And it's different um, on and it's most different. islands. Exactly. You know Every, some, the Jamaican jerk seems to be a lot spicier <coughs> than yes. if you're in Trinidad or something like that. Where exactly. Jamaican mellow. jerk is, uh, uh, we use a lot more allspice mm-hmm. and scotch bonnet pepper. Mm-hmm. In Trinidad, they use a lot more vinegar and brown sugar mm-hmm. and a lot more chilies and, on the back end. So it's not as spicy. The spices are the yeah. afternote. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but for Jamaican, as for jerk, I wanted to tell a quick story about jerk. Jerk has a vast history. The way that jerk came about was when the Maroons were actually fighting off the British in Jamaica. Nanny the Maroon, which is one of our strong heroes, which is the only woman hero out of our seven heroes that we have on our mm-hmm. island, strong woman. She's also the one that um, created guerrilla warfare, where mm-hmm. they dress themselves in camouflage from bushes of scraps from the trees. And then they'll just stand there and a the little British man walk past and they get him. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what happened. But yeah. the fact of the matter is they'll go off and fight their battles. And while they're fighting their battles, they've already dug a hole, put a nice little coal down in the hole, buried a pig that's been marinated mm-hmm. for at least a day. And they'll cover it with all sorts of bushes and banana bushes and trees. So the smoke goes sideways mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. smoke doesn't go up and alert your location. That's really interesting. Wow. You get what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. that's where jerk yeah. came from. So imagine you're in a hole that's two, three hundred degrees. After eight hours, you come back, you have dinner. Mm-hmm. That's all that it was, a jerk, smoke, barbecue. Wow. Wow. 
Everything, mm. all of this has an origin. That's amazing. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your jerk spice because you you allowed us to taste it and yes. it had a ton of allspice. Yeah. Tell us about it, it was so good. Thank you. Well, so that one comes from my mother's mother. So that was more of a maroon jerk spice. Okay. So maroon jerk spice, that is literally from the tradition of way back when. Mm -hmm. um, all they was was they had a bunch of allspice berries because it grew everywhere in an abundance on these trees. They'll also take the allspice tree itself, the wood, and use that as the wood that they light on fire to smoke the meat. Mm. So allspice was always the key ingredient. Chilies were always the key ingredient. And any form of garlic, green onions, or onion, they'll mash together, rub down the meat, and then go from there. So basically mm. all in a mortar and pestle, essentially. Basically. And bang it out. So it's a dry rub yeah. versus, you know, uh, my, like I said, my best friend is Jamaican. Yeah. And uh, his jerk is fermented and wet and you know and it's changed it's yeah exactly and but but a lot of that remember a lot of the times we never had refrigerators or ice mm -hmm. back in the day so the jerk will actually sit out that's right you get what they i mean put it under their sink and that's where the <laughs> fermentation came in place so what juan is yeah. talking about and we we're joking about earlier the caribbean culture is vast and complicated yeah we're a very different breed from the rest of the world but we have the whole rest of the world within our circle at the same time. It's amazing. Him and I come from the same waters. And you never know. Yeah. Like I said, we're 20th cousins. You never know. Yeah. So never tell know. Me, I got a question. Yeah. My 10-year-old godson, as a black man, what do you tell him? What's your best advice during Black History Month? Find out who you are. And find strength in who you are. Because I remember when I first came to America, as a black man from Jamaica, when I came to America, um, before I came to America, I was the most excited, energetic child ever. Mm -hmm. Then when I came to America and everything that we've gone through, <clears throat> that exciting, energetic child went mm -hmm. away. And that exciting, energetic child became more aggressive. That's right. Along the way. Mm -hmm. And it's a fact. Middle school, high school being picked on. I remember my, this is my second set of dreads. My first set of dreads. I remember they used to tease me saying they're going to turn me upside down and mop the floor. But I was a tiny little piece of turd back then. Mm. You know what I mean? So there was no strength. And then I started playing now? rugby and a bunch of <laughs> yeah, stuff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a yeah. little different. But, yeah. but the fact of the matter is, um, as the young kids, these young black boys and black girls out there, they need to just find out that they, they have the strength and they have the support of the community. And we are just one. In Jamaica, we have a saying, out of many, we're one. Mm. Literally, out of many, we're one. That's how we live our life in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. Out of many, we are one. And I think that if we were to bring that mindset across the globe and just yeah. think that we could be white, black, Asian, mm -hmm. doesn't matter where the hell you come from. That's yeah. why I love the kitchen, you know. Mm. My sous chef, look at my sous chef. We are total opposites, even in the food that we cook. He's a barbecue god. <laughs> and he hovers above me yeah. and he's the total opposite of me but him and I have been cooking together for over what five years uh -huh. he just took a chance and started his own company and him and I are planning on going even further I love it man you that's know what I mean? killer that yeah. is killer so, so talk yeah. to us about this oh my god oh Josh beautiful dude yes this so waiting incredible gorgeous so what we have here is just some ital food this is this is strictly Rastaman so food right here. This is, uh, they normally call it Bushman food in, in Jamaica, uh -huh. you know, just to give it an idea. So this is everything that you'll find in the bushes. You, if you go into the Blue Mountain bushes right now, you will that find cauliflower so growing. You'll find green banana. In the banana. bushes. In the bushes. Yeah. Cauliflower, well, wild broccoli, it's nothing, like, yeah, exactly, so, yeah. just there. 
you'll find an almond tree just standing there mm. wow. and just make sure you stay away from the wasp you know yeah. what I mean? But, yeah. but this is everything. So this is Rastaman. This is what Bob ate. This is what Peter Tosh ate. This is what I eat. This is what my father eats. Now, do I eat this all the time? No. But it's delicious. Yeah, it smells <laughs> incredible. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, yeah, the, the smell is unbelievable. Yeah. So we've got just, you know, we've got the rice. We've got curry. We've got some tofu, cauliflower. Yes. Um, it we looks like some we've got green some green banana. onions, red onions. Is that cilantro? Yeah, some cilantro. And some, some green banana. Yeah, yeah tell us about the banana because you were talking to me about that before. Yeah, mm. so, so growing up as a kid, um, uh, when you go to any party, anywhere, they have uh, manishwata. Manishwata is goat head soup in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. So they take the head of the goat. You've probably mm -hmm. had this. Take the head of the goat and boil it, and you have yellow yam, which is a root vegetable. Mm -hmm. You have white yam. And you just have all these root vegetables and then you have green banana and they normally cut up green banana into tiny little pieces but then they leave the skin on it thickens it up exactly yeah, so. and other and it mm. also fills with iron mm -hmm. there were people walking around that's why in jamaica you have people living to be 106 116 mm -hmm. 120 years old my grandmother lived to be 98 years old mm -hmm. my mm. grandfather lived to be 99 years old you get what I mean? Yeah. I think that in the Caribbean, that's why people always wonder, like, why do they live? Usain Bolt runs so fast. Well, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's stress and then there's, there's sustenance. Exactly. And there's just a living a life of love, too. And accepting so, the yeah. life that we live. That's because right. mm -hmm. that's one of the things about the Caribbean is that we realize we don't have much. Right. But we have the land you that have we everything. live on. You exactly. have love, you have each other, you have friends, you have family. You There's have a food. difference. Mm -hmm. You know, you have what you need. We talk about like poverty in the U.S. and in our cities versus like in, in, in a place like Jamaica or yeah. Puerto Rico. Um, and, in, you know, living on the street in Detroit is a lot different than living uh, in Jamaica where you can live off the land and you can, and you can still cook food. And yeah. you, you have your own struggles, but yeah. food really isn't one of them. Oh, no, there, no. So. Honestly, I'm going to tell you this. So right now we own, we're about to start building our... Uh, little retirement in Jamaica. My father's about to finish his house. I'm about to start mine this year. It's going to be a bed and breakfast, so everyone is welcome oh. when it's done Yay. next year. And, uh, <laughs> but, but the best part about the land that we live on is we have everything from a banana tree to a plantain tree. We mm. have 15 different styles of mango. We have over 40 different By the way, the best mangoes in the bushes. world are in Jamaica. Oh, dude, you already know. I love it. Yo. Man, I'm telling you, I don't know why. All day. You might know why. I don't yeah, know why. why? Do you know I literally why? love the mangoes in Jamaica are unbelievable. It's the soil. Yeah. I personally believe in Jamaica, a majority of the soil is red clay. That's right. Literally, okay. a that majority of our soil is yeah. red clay. And also, remember, our soil bauxite yeah. is what creates aluminum foil. Hmm. Remember that. So aluminum foil bauxite is what creates all these things, wow. you know. Yeah, man. So That's Jamaican amazing. soil is rich. Wow. Jamaican soil, you can take any seed from yeah. around the world, go throw it in the ground, and it will grow. Wow. That is a fact. Yeah. You just have to figure out how to maintain it. But right. it will grow. Wow. Yeah, you got a lot That's of outside that influences. For so sure. yeah, so, so Jamaica. So this is beautiful. So yeah, this is all that it is. This is literally everything that you will find in my homeland mm -hmm. on this plate. Um, oh. Uh, we have a bunch of spoons. Let's plate this. Please. I want you guys to have some fun. So you use the flame on the, when I was watching. Yes. And you use the flame on the cauliflower. If you're uh, going to make it at home, can you just stick it in the oven? Well, you what I did was it, I tossed you? it in the oven first. Okay. And it caramelized on the outside and gave you that char that you were looking for and then really roasted it. Mm -hmm. But that torture on the outside for me, I just... I love that different, additional color. Oh, yeah. That burnt flavor. You know what yeah. I mean? And if you stay farther back away, it doesn't get gassy. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Little Incredible. things like that. So, yeah, I really hope that you guys enjoy this. This is our burnt time basmati. 
Very simple. You're going to get a lot of garlic. This is my first time having burnt thyme basmati. Me too. Yeah. It's okay. not going to be my last though, because I'm going to start doing this. I think. Oh yeah, and <laughs> this is the thing. It's very. Oh yeah, you're done. How many pieces of bananas did you put in here, Josh? Okay. No, no, no. You're good. Let's uh, make sure we get this right. Mm. It smells so. Even through the mask, it smells amazing. Yes, and then it's just really going to come together. So you're going to get literally just a lot of this veggies. You're going to get a lot of all of this beautiful sauce. And then you also basically get that coconut milk, that coconut milk that's just been sitting there. Mm. That's really about it. Now, I well, wish we, all, we, we had got that coconut in common in the Caribbean, right? <laughs> yes. Now, you know, we put coconut in practically everything. Uh, all right. Now. Oh, my gosh. Look at that. Holy I wanted cow. you to try that. Now, in Jamaica, the reason why we serve you a proper plate is because I wanted you to understand and get a feel of how we serve our plate. So that is enough rice, enough veggies. And in Jamaica, when you eat this, by the end of eating this, you may think that eating vegan, that's always been the biggest complaint. Right, I don't get eat, full. You don't get full. Right, which isn't true. No, but when you have enough carrots, you have enough pumpkin, you have enough carrots, you have enough squash and cauliflower in the combination of it all. It's You'll amazing. Feel, yeah. Yes. Mm. And that's really all that it is. Just the subtleness of the, the combination. The the color. Yeah. Just the love and that went into this dish is incredible. Just a little bit more we're gonna, get, we're gonna get in on this a little bit here. And then let's toss in just a pinch more. Now obviously, Look at that. if it was in back of house and we had you guys not here, we will probably play it 50 more times before we get it right. Oh, this is perfect. Of but course. I hope you guys enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, oh, Come on, man. Oh. I'll give you a hug. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. Mm. Oh my gosh. That Thank is you. amazing. Yeah. Now you're going to really? taste. And the rice is perfect. Yeah, it man. Is the so rice good. should be soft. Mm. It should be a sponge, but also mm. holds up on its own. It mm. has to. Mm -hmm. And everything else, you're going to taste a little sweetness from some honey. Mm -hmm. You're going to taste heat mm. in the back. That is the from heat is coming now. It's exactly. So good. You're, but that mm -hmm. is from a dried mm -hmm. scotch bonnet pepper. So we just take a little bit of that, drop it down. So you're going to taste that heat, but the honey comes in and mellows it out. Mm. Then you have the garlic, but that heat is going to keep you going. So I love it. Exactly. But yeah, so good. that's all that it is. But Miss Betty's curry, the only reason normally. So that's what's being used in here. Mm. Exactly. Okay. Miss Betty's curry. It's a very simple thing. Um, very simple thing. Now, the only reason you're tasting that heat is from the scotch bonnet, from and that little dried. bit of habanero, because it's dried. Oh it's God, been concentrated. So and the sweetness from that honey, remember, is what really helps to balance it out, you know? But um, other than that, this is literally just Man, I tell food. This is incredible. I tell food. We learned about Jamaica. We yeah, learned about yes. an incredible chef here. Thank you. Thank Unbelievable. You. Thank you. We've got to go to break here. Um, Thank you. And, you know, we are super excited for the rest of the show. We're going to come in with Fael from Illa Gallery. And listen, Friday, we have an incredible Super Bowl show that you got to tune in for. I'm co-hosting with Ryan Harris. Super Bowl champ, voice of Notre Dame football, and we've got Brother Luck coming up, oh. and he's yes. going to be cooking his wings yes. that he beat Bobby Flay with, his maple wings. <laughs> oh. So, Taj, i got a feeling you might pop in and maybe grab one of those. Yeah, I think I have to. All right. I think I have to. <laughs> hey, you guys. Jay here with the Modern Eater Show. Thanks for watching. Don't forget about our YouTube and Instagram channels. A lot of killer content over there. Throw us a subscribe on YouTube. Throw us a follow on Instagram, and thank you for supporting TME. We couldn't do this without our amazing sponsors, so let's check them out right now.
Very proud to be part of the, the Modern Eater and uh, chefs, restaurant owners, any food service operators. You know, I know right now that uh, delivery and carry out is bigger than ever, and we got you covered. Uh, Cambro uh, has a full line of uh, delivery and carry out items. More economical options are expanded polypropylene or EPP, a uh, nice insulated container. Uh, the Procard Ultra is really versatile. It's a great unit because you could actually store cold products down here, hot products up here. It's all 120, there's no refrigeration worries. It's all thermodynamics. Just let us know what your food service challenges are, what it is we can do to help you out, and there isn't anything that we can't do for you. So uh, hope to see you over here at our facility in Park Hill soon and uh, stay safe out there. You know everybody, with several million dollars of hard assets here, insurance is very, very important to us. Ewing Levitt covers it all. Machinery, building, workman's comp. Ewing Levitt's got us covered from the floor to the ceiling, from our alley, even to the street. This divider, this press, my cooling conveyor, my oven. Ow, ow! Ewing Levitt covers our counter stacker and our employees too. If you need insurance, take it from Little Rich at Rockalitas. Call Ewing Levitt, they'll get you covered. I go home, I strip down to my skivvies. All right, here we go. I got it, I got it, I got it. Hey everybody, Steve Gould from Golden Moon Distillery and Golden Moon Speakeasy. When I get my cocktails to go from Golden Moon Speakeasy, I go home, I kick back, and I watch The Modern Eater. <laughs> skivvies. Hey, I'm a Marine. It's skivvies, man. Welcome back to Studio Kitchen Colorado. Home of the Modern Eater Show. I'm Juan Padro, sitting in for Greg Hollenbeck with my co-host Amanda Faison from Dining Out Magazine. That was pretty awesome. That Dude. was so delicious. Yeah. So, so delicious. Yeah, Chef Taj Cook, Miss Betty's, uh, and man, uh, what a great experience and some great stories from that. Absolutely. So, listen, we've got Fael Ali from Illa Gallery. Hey, how are you? Right? And this is a really good friend of mine. We've been around, uh, I don't know, we've been around the block a little yeah, bit Yeah, yeah, we've been around yeah. half a decade so, or so. That's right. Yeah. So he's got an incredible gallery. He's got an incredible lineup of, of, uh, of, of, of young artists that are going to be uh, displaying their, uh, their, their art at Illa all month, right? All month long. Uh, yep. We've got about seven or eight artists. Uh, we're doing a, a black history um, kind of nod. Um, this month, and it's called the Black Vanguard. Okay. So uh, we've got people like Johnny Draco here, who's an uh, up-and-coming artist, and he's an amazing, amazing work in there. And uh, we've got uh, Thomas Detour Evans, which I'm sure you've seen oh, his sure. stuff all yeah. around town. And uh, famous artist. Yeah, uh, Narkita Gold. We've got an amazing lineup. So yeah. if you get a chance, come check it out. Well, you know I'll be there for sure. Sweet. So tell us where the gallery is. So it's located at 209 Calamus, Suite Perfect. 12. So it's technically still in the Santa Fe Arts District. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just kind of at the far end uh, on the Calamus side. So Perfect. Do people have to go online and, and, and basically like set up a time to kind of walk through the gallery? Because I know it's a relatively small space. So, uh, so we've been operating at 50% capacity okay. just because of COVID mandates, which is actually under what we are mandated to do. So okay. we just want to be safe. Uh, so we've kind of got a, a, a door system going. You can um, 
go online to our website, www.elaartgallery.com, and get your own special time to show up, right? Okay. That guarantees you that if there's 50 people in there and you made, um, you made an appointment, you're going to get priority okay. rather than people who actually just walk in. So Incredible. So what does it mean to you to be able to display your art during Black History Month at a black-owned art gallery? I mean, it means a lot, basically. It gives, uh, I guess, the black youth a chance to it gives it gives a chance to you know really just show our voices and show mm -hmm. you know a place there where we can be heard. So, yeah. do, do you have a specific style of art that you subscribe to, or like what's your? Uh, how would I recognize you walking down the street? Uh, honestly, there is no specific style that I specifically have, uh -huh. but um, I guess you could say it's more abstract with uh, the way I do birds and stuff like that. So okay, yeah. and painting or sculpture or. Uh, it's a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Painting, oh, sculpture, super cool. animation, uh, all that stuff. Yeah. All right. Fael, art, food, music, they all go together. They all go together. Yeah. You so know. talk about like, you know, how you think about curating an art show and, and some of the events that you do and some of the things that maybe we've talked about as well. Yeah. Um, you know, because and, and, we have this discussion a lot and we think it's important to bring these communities together. Um, you know, get a chef like get a chef like Taj. Oh yeah, uh, and, and bring an artist like Michael, and get everybody together to have a good party. Yeah, uh, to see just the amount of talent in the room, I feel intimidated sometimes. <laughs> I, you <laughs> know, I, I think that you know, like you said, art, food, culture—they all go together. Yeah. Um, I think feel like a lot of times we come up with our best view, our ideas over a meal, you yeah. know. So it starts mm -hmm. there. I can't really even begin to start being creative uh, unless I got a, a good meal on my stomach. So mm -hmm. I start there. Um, but it's it's a pleasure to be able to work within these um, these new. It's kind of a new venture for me, you know. Mm -hmm. I I own a multimedia production company. Art uh, was something that. Um, I've always done on the side, but I wanted to create a platform. So when I get to meet people like Johnny and, and mm -hmm. I get his involvement and to hear what he says and what his uh, perspective is of the gallery, you know, one of the things that I hear about it is there's nothing like it in Denver, you know, yeah. which, you know, at first I was like, is this a good thing or no, a bad thing? that's a thing? great thing. Yeah, but it's <laughs> a great a thing, thing, you know, and I, and I always take that. Um, I take that approach so <clears throat> I really just wanted to create a platform of people to be able to be creative and I want it to really just flow kind of like water I don't want to have the kind of traditional what you would see in a gallery we don't want to be uppity we want to be inclusive we want to make sure that it's kind of a grassroots thing here and that people if you're putting in the work you can showcase there at ELA is there enough opportunity for young black artists to display their art in Colorado? Is that something that's a huge gap for us here? It's a huge gap. Okay. Yeah, I think that, you know, um, but you can just imagine because if you look at the numbers as far as the population, there's, there's really not, you know, it's 4% black folks in, in mm -hmm. Colorado. So uh, there wasn't really a place for black artists to really highlight and showcase mm -hmm. their art and I wanted to make sure that at my gallery that <clears throat> I'm giving equity you know I want it's a black owned gallery I want to give equity to my community but we also want to be inclusive of everybody you know mm -hmm. so she uh, white artists <coughs> yeah we have, you know art, yeah because we've done we've done a lot of business together yeah we, are, we know, have I've done yeah. personal business I buy art I actually let him pick it because he knows a lot more <laughs> than I do. you got some great pieces though I you got some great, great pieces <laughs> that I got at Ellen it's incredible um, but I've had Latino artists come yeah. and do custom artwork and our new bar, Forget Me Not. Yep. Uh, you guys are part of the Clayton Project. You're really getting out there. I mean, you haven't been around that long, and everybody's talking about you. Guys. How long have you been around? 
Well, the um, gallery. The gallery. Uh, I got the keys to the space January seventh last year. Okay, we had so our, we, oh my gosh, a year. Uh, we haven't even had our, our grand opening was March seventh, which was three days before Ooh. the mandatory COVID lockdown. So yeah. we've been scratching and clawing and pivoting, you know. And uh, luckily, the the art community has really come through and really shown the support. And the people who support artists have really come through and show support. So good. Um, I'm proud to say that we've paid artists over eighty two thousand dollars in a pandemic. You know for Wow. A startup business, with, That's incredible. Uh, which didn't receive any federal grants, funding, PPP loans, or anything. We just did it by, you know, yeah. really just kind of being grassroots and I think that's why people are talking you know we're oh, getting you guys take care of each other <laughs> yeah we do sure. we're a community and that's yeah. one thing you know I want to make sure that that my gallery is a safe space for yeah. people it doesn't matter if you're black or Chicano or white or whatever but if you're an artist and you want to you have a voice and you want to be able to do something cool and innovative I want to be considered as one of the places that you that you show at talk to me about this guy Johnny's amazing so um, he um, we just did some of his prints and uh, we're gonna do some hand embellished prints um, and I put them online, um, and I sent uh, a link, I think. I'm not sure if you guys have it, but there will be a link that to Johnny's exclusive prints, and they're amazing. So he did this black fist out of uh, birds, and it's called Hire. I and saw this. Yeah, oh, out of birds? It's so cool. Yeah, it's wow. really amazing. So, yeah. uh, and I just kind of did a, a flash online, and we yeah. were getting all kinds of uh, inquiries about it. Like, is this for sale? Is this for sale? So I asked Johnny, I was like, how would you feel about making high-end prints of this? And he was like, you know, this is exactly what we should be doing. And yeah. wow. So we're sending him home with some. He's going to hand embellish them. They'll be available uh, for purchase on Friday. So make sure you guys get yours. Super cool. Yeah, amazing. Where are you from? Uh, I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. But I, I moved out here. Yeah, how'd you uh, come here? I originally got a job offer at uh, Kid Robot about four years ago. At what? Kid Robot. Kid, okay. Yeah. The, yeah, they <laughs> make little toys. Yeah. 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 You know, vinyl toys and stuff okay. like that. And then uh, just do freelance and just moved to Denver from Boulder. That's what I'm doing now. And how did the two of you guys connect? Uh, I think we met at one of my shows, right? Uh, uh, yeah, I think it was through uh, Leah, actually. Oh, yeah. Shows. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, for sure. So. Yeah. And uh, we just kind of stayed in touch, and uh, I wanted, like I said, I just wanted to give everybody an opportunity, uh, and I just love what he's doing, and the, the work that he's doing is powerful. It's got a message, and uh, I just want to make sure that the rest of Denver and the world can find a place to find this guy because, mm -hmm. you know, his art deserves to be in people's homes, and, you know, people will appreciate it once they can get their eyes on it. Leave us with your message. What is your message uh, through your art? Or a message. I'm sure you have many of them. <laughs> so. uh, community is key. I love it. Yeah. Very similar to what we just heard from Taj. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Food, art, culture, music. All one. Bring it all together. Black History Month. Yeah, we're gonna. I think we're gonna do some cool stuff at some of your spots this summer too. We're That's gonna right. incorporate all of those things. Of course, I'm leaving the food and, and all that up to you. But I'll bring some music and some art. Dropping through. dropping the cat the cats out of the bag now. So <laughs> so Fael announcing that we're working together this summer. Well, we've done a bunch of stuff together. You guys have done a great job. You did three murals for us. Yep, yep. Uh, this summer, uh, you did one that sits at Mr. Rosso on the outside. Yep. Uh, you did a beautiful mural uh, at Bardot. Yeah, uh, which is like incredible. Patrick McGregor yeah. and his son Tristan McGregor—they're right. amazing. Yeah, uh, and then you did the Forget Me Not uh, logo, which is our yet-to-open uh, cocktail bar in Cherry Creek, and that might be the most photographed wall in Cherry Creek. 
people just literally come by, stop, and not. And I, I actually saw somebody. I was there for about an hour the other day. I saw somebody come and take a picture with their iPhone, and I saw mm. him come back 20 minutes later with a camera and a stick. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's it up. so cool. So. That's a big shout out to Jer. Uh, yeah. Jer's an amazing artist. He uh, he owns uh, Landmark Tattoo mm-hmm. in Capitol Hill. So uh, shout out to Jer and go yeah. see him if you guys need to get some tattoos going. Great on. artist, great person, great person. So, yeah. yeah. So. And then Mateo did some custom art for us inside collage art inside of Forget Me Not. Yeah. Uh, which we are like incredibly excited about. Everybody that kind of walks through is like, what is that and where do I get it? That's so awesome. we're probably going to end up selling that off the wall and getting some new art. As, good, good. That's the way we'll, that's the <laughs> Sell way we'll it. do that's it. That's what I so, love to hear. Well, man, I look forward to continuing to work together and yeah. so proud of you. And Thank man, you, man. I appreciate it. Can't wait it. to see more of your art. Uh, it's, an ama- it's amazing to have you guys here. And, Thank you. Uh, just such yeah. a cool thing, man. Hey, right. I appreciate it. Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to finally meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Nice to meet you, Johnny. All right. So we're going to have to take uh, another break here. But before we do, we're going to talk about our show coming up on Monday. I want to let you guys know that Ben Higgins from The Bachelor, (laughs) one of the most popular bachelors ever, is going to be joining me. And we're going to talk food. And he's an investor in restaurants. Um, so uh, he's got the two in, in uh, Colorado that he invests in, and he's got his own coffee company. Uh, and he's really one of the more amazing philanthropists uh, that I know. Uh, he does a lot of really cool stuff. So we're super excited to Hey, uh, hey to Juan, uh, Jay over here, you think he can help me with uh, my personal life? You think there's something in there where... Jay, <laughs> I'm not quite sure anybody can help he you with your personal life. He knows some tricks from being on The Bachelor. You know, he, might, he might have one for you. He's a nice guy. He'll take some mercy on you. <laughs> For sure. So we're super excited about that. Um, And, you know, when we come back, Amanda and I are going to talk a little bit about dining out. We're going to talk about what we just uh, heard from Taj and from Fael and these amazing guests that we've had. Um, And, you know, it's a pretty exciting show with Adrian Miller. Man, I can't even wait for him to come on the show. And then Where Juan Eats. So we're going to head out to commercial break. This is The Modern Eater. Hi, I'm Amber with Strohauer Farms. And I'm just here to remind you that the best potatoes are grown here in Colorado. Goodness elevated. Thanks for watching the Modern Eater Show. (laughs) Hey, Zach Ryder here, Colorado Mills Sunflower Products out of Lamar, Colorado. Your only local source grown from a local crop to produce a local oil for local chefs. You can find it at Shamrock Foods, What Chefs Want, Seattle Fish Company. Uh, Let me try it one more time, then we'll see. Hey, restaurants, we're glad you're reopening from Colorado Mills Sunflower Oil. We'll see you soon. (laughs) First, we partner with the best farmers in the world, and then we tell them, we will take it all. Process whole spices daily, blend custom spices to order, keep it fresh, safe, and flavorful all so that you can get back to doing what you do best. So whether you're a restaurant, a food manufacturer, or an at-home cook, be sure to visit The Spice Guy at www.thespiceguyco.com. Hey, Modern Eater fans. I'm Don Trobo with The Annex by Art at Mills, and I just wanted to give you a heads up about some of the great things we've got going on locally in the state. We're headquartered right here, and we're working with farmers in the San Luis Valley to bring you amazing Colorado quinoa just like the South American stuff, but grown locally. We've got transitional wheat flour that's grown by farmers in Colorado and surrounding states who are in the process of of turning their fields into organic. So we're taking that transitional wheat and turning it into flour, and now it's available for you to cook and bake with. And last but not least, we're now cleaning grain berries 
in Denver. So things like spelt or wheat berries uh, or pearl barley, those are things that we're now doing right here locally and are available to you. Can't wait to share it with you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jeff Nations from Aspen Baking Company. It's really important right now to support local. That's why I support the Modern Eater. Now, back to the show. All right, you guys, back to the show in just a second. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about Jeff Rourke and A-Plus Beverage Solution. Jay, Jay, that's me. Jeff Rourke has been in the business over 20 years. You know what he does? He installs tap lines for your restaurant. Juan Padro has a few of those restaurants. But that's what he does. He's passionate. He's small business. For over 20 years, he, he installs the custom jobs. If you need a tap line for water, wine, nitro, uh, tea, it doesn't matter. If it's, if it's on a tap, he'll put it in. He'll work with the managers. He makes the dreams come true. If you have an idea for your restaurant where you think, I want the taps, but I want them to go around the corner and up a few stairs and over the balcony, and I want it all to look like a dove, Jeff Rourke at A-Plus Beverage Solutions, he's your guy. He's the one that does that. If you want to give him a call, at 720-62... Ooh, that's my phone number. Gosh, help us all. <laughs> 720-272-3809. Juan, I'm going to tell you one more time, just in case you're thinking about calling me. Jeff Rourke at A-Plus Beverage Solutions <laughs> is 720-272-3809. Greg's turning over in Florida right now. Um, <laughs> Jeff Rourke, A-plus Beverage Solutions. That's where you go to put your taps in. Now, back to Juan Padro and Amanda Faison on the Modern Eater Show. Welcome back to Studio Kitchen Colorado, home of the Modern Eater. Juan Padro sitting in for Greg Hollenbeck and my amazing co-host, Amanda Faison from Dining Out Magazine. Uh, Jay, I heard you just tried to give your phone number out, and I know you asked for help from Ben yeah. Higgins, but I'm going to give you a piece of advice. You like how I If do you that? give your phone number out to 10,000 people watching your podcast, maybe you might get a call back. So maybe you should try to do that. You know, you know, listen, some so folks, a little bit more. Some so. folks are afraid of those stalkers, you know, and that sort of thing. I think that for a guy like me, that's a compliment. I was going to say. You know, that just means somebody's paying attention, which I can't argue with. That's that. right. Yeah. Perfect. Amanda, what a show so far. Uh, we've had Chef Taj Cook, uh, Miss Betty's, uh, just incredible food, uh, incredible history, incredible culture. Um, you know, what's your, what's your, what's your like, takeaway from Jamaican food, Jamaican culture? Uh, well, I have to say, you started educating me, Taj, a while ago about um, just the different layers in Jamaican food. You, mm -hmm. We so often hear about jerk chicken. But that's kind of all we hear. That's right. And we don't necessarily know the stories behind them. We don't necessarily know, you know, the spice routes that led to this, that, and the other thing mm -hmm. or the cooking techniques or whatever. So just to kind of start understanding the texture and the layers to Jamaican, but then all of these cuisines. That's right. I think that, to me, that's the most exciting thing about food in general is mm -hmm. just learning the culture and the history through the stories. Well, we talked a little bit about it and, you know, we're celebrating Black History Month and, and the African diaspora and we you know, all the different influences from Africa and all cuisines. Oh and I was thinking about Bardo, our Italian restaurant. You don't think about uh, African influence and Italian food. And I think about all the pastries with pistachio and with almond and oh, just yeah. with 
clove and all these like really cool, you know, just uh, herbs and spices and things like that. And you think about, we talked about arancini, which, uh, you yeah. know, is definitely not really Italian. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, it's, I didn't know that's until right. earlier yeah. today. And, um, and, and a lot of people don't think about it, but the modern farming practices that came from Africa to Europe and, and, and really affected the rice trade. And um, yeah. so really interesting stuff. And as it w made it way over to the Caribbean, we have Puerto Rican cuisine and Dominican cuisine and Cuban cuisine and in, in Jamaican cuisine and just all over the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. We have different types of influences from, from all over Africa and it's just an incredible thing and it's coming to America and we need to talk a little bit more about why the heck there aren't more black restaurants, mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, we have Jamaican restaurant, we have an Ethiopian restaurant. It's almost like it's boxed, right. you know what I'm saying? Right. And well, you know, and take, that's a, there's a larger problem there too because most people think that African food is Ethiopian food that's and right. that's it. That is their mm. understanding of African food and I mean, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, There's it's, a ton going on. I mean, many of the same ingredients, but entirely different styles of cooking. Yeah. Pretty amazing stuff. So um, it's, it's just a, something that I hope to continue to learn a lot more about. And, um, you know, I think maybe dining out uh, is a great platform for that. What do you think? I hope so. Um, so with, with Dining Out, we've just relaunched it. We've just mm -hmm. reimagined it. Um, it was a consumer magazine very focused on, you know, getting restaurant news out to the consumer. Yeah. We have completely refabbed it and a couple months ago relaunched it as a trade magazine. Mm -hmm. So the idea being the voice of the independent restaurant right. in Colorado. Mm -hmm. um, so, but having these conversations within the industry, I think it's incredibly important because right. we need to be paying attention to all of those, all of those stories, all mm -hmm. those origin stories, but then maximizing that and, you know, action, you know, putting action to those things. Right. And we can do that within a community and then the consumer comes in. But we need to be kind of figuring all that stuff out. At the we need root. a story coming from within to yeah. tell the community. But yeah. the, the doing the research and right. doing the, you know, looking at histories, looking at cultures and kind of figuring out how to filter out those stories in a, in a really, I hate to wor use the word authentic because it can get you in trouble, but right. that authentic way. Well, authenticity in terms of like intent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thoughtfulness. So, yeah. Yes. And I think that that's, that's super, super, super important. And I look at it also from a business perspective. And, and uh, you guys had asked me to write a, a, an edit editorial. Is that what I call uh, it? Op -ed. An yep. op-ed. Yep. Okay. I don't know all the technical terms. That's okay. But, <laughs> you know, my big thing is, is the seat at the table. And, uh, you know, yeah. I, think, I think it's, you know, uh, everybody's stronger. Um, you know, when we're together and we have diversity and we have great ideas and you get all these like, just, you know, killer art comes from that, killer music comes from that, killer food comes oh from gosh. that, you know. Killer talked, everything. That's right. Collaboration. Yeah. We talked about the gene pool. Your gene pool is stronger when it's mixed. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? That's the same with everything else in life. And um, if we don't have great ideas coming from different perspectives, mm -hmm. you know, we're never really going to be great at anything. You know, no. so if you We're have be boring, that's right. If you have eight white guys sitting around a table telling everybody what diversity is, that's not really the solution to the problem. No. Right. So uh, more of these conversations really need to be happening. Uh, I'm excited to be able to talk to some of the folks that we've been able to talk to today Me too. Um, and uh, tell us what to expect from Adrian. Uh, Adrian is awesome. Okay. <laughs> so Adrian is a food historian. He's mm -hmm. an author. His, his book, Soul Food, won a James Beard Award um, several years ago, probably six, seven years mm -hmm. ago. Um, and that looked at really and truly the origins of soul food right. and how they've been in many ways overlooked. Um, but the mm -hmm. stories that truly, truly 
you know, the people that truly made kind of soul food what it is today. Got it. Um, and then he's since had a couple, well, he has a new book coming out called Black Smoke. Mm -hmm. um, it comes out in April. I think it's late April. We'll have to ask him, but it's already getting a lot of play in the food world. Mm -hmm. um, it's the origins of barbecue. It's looking at like, again, the real stories, the real history. Mm. I can't wait to read it. I haven't seen a review copy yet, but yeah. I can't wait. And it has one of the coolest covers. The covers. The cover is amazing. Yeah. 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 But so Adrian and he's is a just Denver awesome. local. He's a Denver local. Yeah. yeah. And this yeah. is uh, this and is pretty incredible. He has taught me everything I know about barbecue. Tell which me is that limited, story because well, tell everybody that story because you told me this at lunch. Yeah. And uh, this is an amazing commitment that this guy kind of made to you, and vice versa. Well, so. it was. I I wish I could remember how we agreed to this arrangement or whatever uh -huh. you want to call it, but I didn't know a whole lot about barbecue, mm -hmm. and Adrian did and does and continues to travel the the country and. I don't know, maybe the world, we'll have to ask him that, mm -hmm. um, to learn about barbecue. But in the meantime, he was writing his proposal and writes, beginning to write soul food. Mm -hmm. And the idea was kind of germinating. And so, and I was at 5280 at that time. And so I kind of worked with him on writing. He worked with me on barbecue. We'd go to all these Denver barbecue restaurants. He would literally teach me, like sit down and say, see this, this is a smoke ring. See this, you don't want that. You do want that. And then we would talk writing. And so it was super beneficial for but both of us. But this was like over a year period of time. It was months. I mean, yeah. a year, nine months, give or take. Yeah. yeah. It was really great. And it began the friendship that Adrian and I, you know, that was 10. Actually, that was probably... 15 years yeah. ago. He's also a judge. I read he's a barbecue judge as well. He's, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Adrian's the coolest. He's the coolest guy. Yeah. Good. So, he's watching yep. you right now. Oh, hi. <laughs> yeah, I like that, bro. Yeah. Pretty good. Adrian's a cool guy. Welcome, Adrian <laughs> Miller, man. Super excited to have you. Um, yeah, good to be with you. Yeah. So uh, we just uh, we got an incredible introduction. I, I don't know if you heard the whole thing, but Amanda kind of gave uh, our audience a background of who you were and your books and all the great things that you've been doing and, th and the relationship that you guys have um, and uh, the How time you that you spent and that you taught her about barbecue. Everything. And, Everything and, uh, I know, Adrian, is, yeah. is because so, of you. Yeah. <laughs> so what does the relationship with Amanda mean to you? Oh, God. Uh, that means the world to me. So she, uh, she gave me kind of my first opportunities with food writing. So that ABCs of BBQ that you let me write, I think it was in 2006, was huge for that me. That sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. 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 So it was, it was mutually beneficial. Yes, absolutely. Hey, Juan, a, before we get too deep with Adrian, let's take a quick break. Yeah. And we'll, and, and, uh, we'll Great. come right back to him and get so into it. Adrian, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back and talk about your book, and we're going to talk a little bit about your background. I'm going to... And, uh, and I'm just really excited to get to know you a little bit more and some of your thoughts on Black History Month and the importance of that. So we're going to take a break here from Studio Kitchen Colorado. I am Juan Padro, hosting for Greg Hollenbeck at The Modern Eater. We'll be right back. Hey guys, Alex Irwin, right, top over at Sam's number three, Glendale. You want a Bloody Mary? You want a cheeseburger? You want a breakfast burrito, Greek salad, bacon, gyro meat, chicken souvlaki, barbecue ranch salad? We got you covered. Come down and see us. One more time. Try it again. Hey guys, Alex Armitas over here at Sam's number three, Glendale. Now get your ass to themoderneater.com. Thank you so much.
We started Meridium Spirits because we love the way that spirits and cocktails can bring people together to socialize, to bond, to have conversations. Well, right now we've got some big conversations to have. Coop Vodka and Coop Gin are available at liquor stores across the metro area, but if you can't find us or would like to have us behind your bar or at your restaurant, send us an email, info at meridiumspirits.com. We know things are a little different these days, but think of us the next time you're planning a virtual happy hour or a socially distant picnic. And keep an eye on our social media, Coop by Meridium, for all the latest and greatest. Hey guys, it's Caroline Glover. I'm the chef owner of Annette out at Stanley Marketplace. Citrus is about to be in its prime. I just want to thank everybody for showing so much support to small local restaurants in this really hard time. And you're watching the Modern Eater Show. <laughs> I'm fine with that. All right, back to the show in just a second, and we're going to catch up with Adrian Miller. No big deal, but James Beard Award-winning author. Before we do that, I want to talk to you about Emily Griffith and the Culinary Quick Start program. Um, <clears throat> it's a three-week program. It's free to do. They teach you the basics. If you want to learn your way around a kitchen, if you haven't done it before or if you're just interested in doing it, Emily Griffith Culinary Quick Start. Go to themoderneater.com. There's an Emily Griffith Culinary Quick Start tab. Juan Padro, who is hosting the show today. Juan, let me just ask you a question as we talk about chefs. You're, you're a restaurateur. You have multiple locations. You have multiple employees. What does it mean to you knowing somebody that goes through that course mm -hmm. so you at least, when you know you're onboarding them, it's like, okay, they should have, I feel good that they know the basics and I've seen the course because you've, you've seen it, uh, what we do. Yeah, you know, we're actually interviewing some kids from uh, Emily Griffith right now um, and, uh, you know, we've got 14 stores um, and staffing's a challenge and the kids that go through that program, they train under Chef Blake Stein who's, uh, you know, really technically a very good chef and, and teaches them, uh, you know, the knife skills that they need and the technique that they need, just gives them the basics. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to learn a lot more when you're in a kitchen under pressure and things like that but if you have the basics and you have the passion, um, you know, you're going to be able to make it if you listen and if you get aligned with a really good chef that wants to mentor you and that's all part of the, the you know all part of the solution together so you know going through that program uh, I think is super valuable for uh, for young chefs love it I love it it's the Emily Griffith culinary quick start you guys again go to themoderneater.com click on the Emily Griffith culinary quick start program it'll sign you up it's free that's the best part is it's free it's it's a no-brainer so if you're looking for a job in the culinary world Emily Griffith culinary quick starts where you go now let's I'm dying for this let's catch up with Mr. Adrian Miller on uh, the modern eater show Awesome. Welcome back to Studio Kitchen Colorado, home of the Modern Eater. Juan Padro sitting in for Greg Hollenbeck. As we know, he's sitting on a beach somewhere in Florida. We are not, but we do have a pretty nice day today. And he Beautiful. is definitely not as lucky as us because we have James Baird, award-winning chef, soul food scholar, Adrian Miller in the house. So awesome. I'm going to ask you a broad question um, that I think you could probably talk about for the next three hours. But, um, <laughs> but you know, what does what the food that you write about tell us about black history and culture? Just a small yeah. question. Yes, a small question. I'll keep it tight so we can get to some <laughs> So I like to write about soul food. And more generally, I say I write about the African heritage cuisines in the Americas. And what I mean by that is what are the foods that in, mostly enslaved Africans brought to this part of the world and so soul food is just one part of that story often it gets to be the shorthand for all black cooking but it's just one part because i think 
soul food is different from southern food creole food of new orleans the low country you know all of these cuisine barbecue all of these things that have been affected by um, and influenced by african americans so i say soul food is the bringing together of the culinary ingredients technique and traditions of west africa western europe and the americas all comes together in the american south and then black migrants take that food to other parts of the country and uh, really influence the american food story I, when I think about it, I think about the food coming from the south up to Chicago, kind of first of all. You know, can you talk about that journey? Yeah, so that's often called the Great Migration. So it's the early 1900s, really until the 1970s, millions of African Americans left the American South for opportunities in other parts of the country. Mm -hmm. And they did what any other migrant group does, right? You get to the new place, you try to recreate home. And if you can do it with the exact same ingredients and things that you had back in the old country, quote unquote, you do it. But sometimes you have to substitute because you can't get the same stuff. And then you're looking around at your neighbors and you're getting inspired and you're borrowing, you're seeing something, you know, you're trying it yourself. And so a new kind of cuisine emerges from that. And so Chicago is a classic example of that. I mean, I've been to restaurants in Chicago, sat down, looked at a plate and I'm like, man, I feel like I'm in Mississippi wow. just in the way that it was cooked and the way it was presented. Really interesting. Really interesting. So tell us about your new book. We know it doesn't come out till late April, but still tell us about it because it sounds like it's already kind of starting to circulate and you're starting to get some really good feedback, really good reviews. Yeah. So my next, free, uh, next book is called Black Smoke, African-Americans and the United States of Barbecue. And the reason why I wrote this book is just frankly, I was just tired of white dudes getting all the credit when it came to barbecue. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I wanted to restore the narrative that puts African-Americans at the center because barbecue, as we understand it, is Native American in origin. But for 200 years, African-Americans became the standard bearers for excellence in barbecue. And it was that way until the late 90s when you saw a marked shift in kind of food media. When they started talking about barbecue, they kind of told African-Americans, hey, we're just not that into you. And so I'm just trying to uh, correct the record and say, no, no, if you're going to talk about barbecue in the United States, you've got to include African-Americans. Yeah, and barbecue is like just incredibly popular. I go to these, these uh, barbecue festivals and competitions all around the country and everywhere you go. I mean, there's, it, it, the, the tickets are extremely expensive. There's lines out, you know, down the street to get in. Um, you know, how do we continue, like as a white restaurateur, right, how do I, how do I continue to promote uh, African-Americans in barbecue like what's what's the best path for me to take is it inviting them people into my kitchen to do events uh, is it you know continuing to partner with you on things you know how do I do my part uh, because I think it's an important part we don't want our history rewritten uh, and we don't want because it's a false narrative you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. so um, I think it's really 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 important that we're lifting one another up in our industry so the fact that that's even forefront in your mind chef is huge because a lot of this is gonna be just a change in mindset. And so I, yeah, I think it's partnering, um, bringing in guest chefs, maybe even for a day to curate a meal, mm -hmm. uh, have them come out and just talk about that barbecue item, what it means to their culture. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, and ultimately when the food is made, just making sure it's made well, <laughs> so you honor <laughs> that tradition. Yeah. And uh, you know, just to seek, continue to seek opportunities to just put these stories out in front of people. Because I believe the, the big challenge we have is we just don't know each other's stories. And what is an easier way to connect and learn something about another person and their culture than sitting down and eating their food? Exactly. Especially with people from that culture. 
Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about this at lunch, and we talked about it right before you got on the show. Um, and, and you kind of alluded to it because um, with some of the comments you made, why aren't there more just like black restaurants, like generally black restaurants, as opposed to, you know, um, uh, Amanda was or saying, if you think food. of Africa. Why does that have to be called soul food, yeah. you know? Right. Or you think of an yeah. African restaurant, you think of Ethiopian food, or, you know, you, and you don't really like, there's, it's just such a wide variety, and it's impacted so many other cuisines. Why isn't there more of that? So I think the real problem, the real struggle is just uh, African and black entrepreneurs just don't get the same access to capital to start a restaurant. Uh-huh. So that's the biggest challenge right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so uh, if they do have a little money, um, they're usually getting a restaurant that's kind of run down, a poor physical plant. Uh, and so, you know, it just takes a lot more to run that restaurant. People, more people are doing food trucks. Uh, and when it comes to barbecue, that's why you got the brother or the sister on the side of the road with the, uh, you know, improv grill set up because uh, yeah. they're just not getting the same opportunities to be financed mm-hmm. to start these businesses. So that's one thing. I think the second thing is generally uh, African heritage cuisines are still relatively unknown in this country. And so the, the barrier of getting someone to try that food is something that needs to be uh, bridged first. And then, um, you know, there's a lot of negativity around these cuisines. Like the, the negativity around soul food is pretty constant because it's either called slave food, poverty food, or, you know, the food that white people didn't want to eat. Um, and it's also called unhealthy. But when you go back and look at the history of this cuisine, those myths really fall away very quickly. Uh, soul food is enjoyed by so many different people. And if you listen to what nutritionists are telling us to eat, more dark leafy greens, sweet potatoes, okra, hibiscus, mm-hmm. more fish. Those are the building blocks of soul food. Plus, and it's delicious, delicious. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so. You've got one thing to say to a young aspiring black chef. What is it? Oh, wow. I would say uh, love, your, love your food. Uh, there's so much pressure in this society to not love African expressions of, of food and cuisine. And I think, uh, first of all, you know, cook whatever you want. But just fall in love with your own food, your own traditions, and make it part of your repertoire. I mean, you never hear a French chef say, don't associate me with rural, rustic French hmm. cooking, right? Yeah. They make it part of their repertoire, whatever they're cooking. I just want the same for African-American chefs. You know, be a sushi chef, but then, you know, know how to throw down on some of this stuff. You know, the greens <laughs> and the black eyed peas. Right. It doesn't detract <laughs> from your culinary expertise or, or your reputation. Yeah, and I think as Americans, just generally speaking, in our industry, in hospitality, we have an obligation and we have a responsibility to get this message out a little bit. So, you know, your book is, uh, is highly anticipated. Uh, I don't know if it ended up at the Aspen Institute or somebody was talking about it. My brother works there. He said he had heard a conversation about it. Um, so, man, you're everywhere. Uh, incredible to have you on the show. We're so grateful. Um, and thanks for all you do for the community. And, and uh, I look forward to, you know, getting to know you a little bit better. And maybe, you know, we can, when all this COVID stuff is done, we can get together, we can get Taj together, we can get some other young black chefs together, and we can throw down. And, uh, and then we can start educating some people. I'm down for that. You have my spaces. You have my support. I think dining out will cover it. I think we'll cover it. And I would like to say, I hope people read Soul Food, and then I hope that they read Black Smoke. Because even not reading Black Smoke yet, I have a sense that the two kind of work together to tell a larger tale that we all need to know. Yep. So hopefully... Hopefully I just promoted that right, because <laughs> I don't know that. Was that promoted right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's good. 
Yeah. Hey, uh, Mr. Miller, it's Jay Parker here. Uh, you can't see me, or maybe you can on the Zoom. I had a quick question for you, if you'll indulge me. Um, so after Black Smoke comes out and it's wildly successful and we all buy it and read it, what's next? Are you working yeah. on anything right now that, you know, that's exciting that, that you can tell us a little bit about? You can't tell us everything because you don't know. And then I don't, and then the two-part question is, is, is what's your dream as far as, you know, if, if somebody just gave you a trillion dollars, what would you do with it in, 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 in that sense of Black History Month and, and how would you use, you know, that resource? Yeah, so I've got a, a few things cooking. So one thing is, uh, in this moment, when we seem so divided, I've been thinking about how can I bring my talents to bear to bring us together. So I've been thinking about this concept that I call a welcome table. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that you sit down with somebody you don't know or you, with whom you disagree, and you just get to know each other over some good food, start building connection through that food, and then eventually, after you build relationship, get to the point where you can talk about that difficult stuff. And that could be a one-on-one conversation, but I'm thinking about small groups, I love uh, that. So, yeah, I'm working on a, a, a food-based dining guide to difficult conversations. I think that's really cool. Adrian, real quick, I'm going to cut you off. Uh, yeah. I have uh, a group of guys that we get together, and it's, uh, it's, it's a friend of mine who's white from Indiana, and it's a friend of mine from the Delta, a Jamaican immigrant who happens to be my best friend, a friend of mine who came from uh, Detroit in the ghetto in Detroit and came out. And, uh, and we, we have these groups that we, we get together and we talk about this stuff. Will you join us on one of those? Oh, absolutely. And yeah. in fact, I want to interview about that because that could be yeah. part of the book, right? Because yeah. I think people are going to – what I'm finding is people need examples and just practical instruction yeah. on how to do this. Because right. it's not the easiest thing to do. You would think it is, but it's not the easiest so thing. So we set – our first one, I remember, we set it up for 90 minutes. We were there for six hours. Wow. Six hours. <laughs> And, yeah, so, and we actually did it at Bardot. We did it in my office. We turned it into a big round table. Wow. And the experiences of a young guy from the Delta in Mississippi getting a full football scholarship to the University of North Carolina, right, and walking on that campus for the first time. Mm-hmm. Or Charles Johnson, you probably know. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, so CJ was part of that group, and he came, okay. and, and he runs Culture and Inclusivity for Ball Corp. And uh, he came from Detroit and, uh, you know, went, came to Colorado, or, or Rupert English, who's my best friend, who came from Jamaica, went to Boston College. All these kind of like crazy experiences. And I consider myself a pretty educated guy. And, you know, my best friend of 30 years is in this thing. And I'm like, I'm learning about him. And we don't ask enough questions. Mm-hmm. We just right. don't ask. Right. You know, it's crazy. Absolutely. So bring yeah. extra batteries for your either phone or whatever you're going to be recording for that interview because it might be six hours long. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of food in there too. A ton oh, of food. Good. There should be. That so even makes it better. We have that a young, we have a young uh, black sous chef at Bardot named Reggie Dotson. You should come in and meet him. He's incredible. Okay. He's going to be, he's probably next in line to get his own restaurant in our group. Okay, cool. So he's really good. Um, and I'm thinking about writing a book on the uh, history of African-Americans in Colorado because we've had some next level African-Americans here since the mid 1800s doing incredible things that I don't think their stories have been told. And then I also am thinking about writing a book on the history of African-American street vendors because Ooh, in the cool. 1700s and 1800s, they were basically the food trucks of today and very important in shaping the food scenes of some of our iconic cities like New Orleans, Charleston, mm-hmm. uh, Philadelphia, and New York. Um, if I had a trillion dollars, I probably would have my own show. And uh, it would definitely be an exploration of just African heritage cuisines 
in the United States, but it would be something where I'm not just going and eating some food and saying, oh, that tastes good, mm -hmm. but doing that, but also putting the food in social context. So looking at restaurant culture, home cooks, and getting a sense for why does this food develop in this place and what connects it and what story does that tell um, for people that connects to um, people around the world, um, the broader humanity. So I'm thinking about those things. That's incredible. So many things. Jay, so what do you excited. think? Man, I, You're going to offer free production services to Adrian, <laughs> I hear. Um, have you, hey, uh, um, Mr. Miller, have you had uh, Chef Taj, his food? Have you eaten? Oh, yeah. Food? So he did a pop-up uh, series at Bruto, uh, I want to say in September. And so, you know, um, I don't get a chance to eat a lot of vegan food, but that was some next-level stuff. So uh, this may sound disgusting to some of the people watching this, but that, I, he put his foot in it. And that's one of the highest compliments <laughs> you can give to a chef. So, well, what, hold on. Somebody's got to explain that real quick. Who put who's, who put who's food, well? Who it was more of like the the right and left foot in it. Um, no, no, no. Uh, thank you, thank you for that, Adrian. Um, I think that's the first time I've ever mentioned your name in public to other people other than the individuals in this room for the second time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. Uh, I appreciate it. We, we just wanted to share a part of where we came from. You know, Ital cuisine was just, the, as I said, it's the most aggressive form of vegan cuisine. It's the basis of all Rastafarian cuisine. And you know that better than nobody, better than anybody, I should say. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, I think, educating people on where we come from, educating people on the ingredients that we were given and how we used it to the benefit that helped us in the end for us to be here is the most important thing. And you right now, you are the pillar within our community that's bringing that voice across. Mm -hmm. That's why you had to be at that dinner. Yeah. And thank you for bringing your wife back the second time. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Oh, not my wife. Don't, don't give me that promotion, but I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I don't mean to get you in trouble, Adrian. Uh, <laughs> but no, it was amazing. It was amazing. And honestly, what we did today was very similar to that curry mango that you had as well. Oh, okay. Very, very similar. The same age curry and uh, just a lot of stories behind it, brother. Yeah, and it's, it's a story of uh, resiliency under yeah. the most horrific conditions. Um, it's a story of ingenuity, how these cooks came together, and then ultimately it's a story of triumph because all that was thrown at us, we're still here, yeah. and we're thriving, and yeah. we're, we're moving forward, so uh, yeah. food tells that story. No, you know, in Jamaica we have a saying, we're liko but talawa. You know what I mean? It means we're small but we're mighty. And it doesn't matter. I think uh, whenever we come together, we really show our strength. And in our food, that is the backbone of who we are. I really believe that. So, so yeah. Word. Great. Yeah. You already know what it is. The man I share yeah. a name with. <laughs> <laughs> well, what an, incredible, yeah. what an incredible day. Taj, thanks so much for coming, man. Thank you. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. Thank Adrian, uh, congratulations to everybody on all their success. Um, and congratulations, Black Smoke, everybody, uh, from James Baird Award-winning author Adrian Miller, who's from here in Denver, Colorado, which yeah. is amazing. So one of the true gems of Colorado. So, um, man, I, I am just blessed to be able to host this show today. It was a good day, and uh, it's good to see your face. It's, it's, <laughs> him and I share the same name. Today it was just it was meant to be. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so I'm excited, and, uh, dude, congratulations, brother. I can't wait to get my hands on it. And uh, you already know you need to put your name, well, my name in the middle of it, so, you know, so, so I'm excited. <laughs> but you know what? I'm happy, to, I'm happy to autograph it and say I couldn't have done it without you. So. Oh, <laughs> there you go. take that. Oh, that dude. might be worth something. It's also, it's also the coolest cover. The, uh, the cover is oh, beautiful. Seriously. Dude, it is oh, ill. Hold it up. 
bro. Yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, man. Amazing. Yeah. That is Dude. super cool. So Love my it. sous chef, uh, he just started his own barbecue company. So I can't wait to get him this book, Adrian. Oh, I cool. Yeah, let me know. I, I yeah. got to try that food. So, yeah. Smoke and roll barbecue, man. Wait until it gets rolling. I'll invite you over. Okay, cool. Uh, Bet. Yeah. All right. We have our first pop-up over at Angela Neri on uh, St. Patty's Day. So you have to be there. Okay, I'm going to put it on my calendar. Please do. Please do. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Oh, you know what? I might be overseas because I'm getting more invitations to go and spread the gospel of soul food and barbecue overseas. So I, well, depending on the COVID situation, I might be gone. That's the only you. reason why I won't be there. You know what? We have many more coming up, man. Valentine's Day, I pony up and uh, you already know me. I already just have something going on. But you, congrats. <laughs> you're doing a hell of a job and thank you for doing the work that you're doing. All right. Thanks for that. blessing me with that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. We All agree. Right. All right. So... We've got one more episode of Where One Eats coming up after our commercial break. Adrian Miller, again, thank you so much. Taj Cook, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Amanda Faison, uh, couldn't do it without you. Thank you. Thank you, Juan. You're amazing. <laughs> Jay Parker. Yeah. It's time Let's to go to break, man, and eat. come back with Where One Eats. Hey. Awesome. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? This is Brother Luck from Lucky Dumpling, for by Brother Luck in Colorado Springs, and I am rocking with the modern eater. You're watching them, you're tasting them, you're knowing everything there is to know about Colorado. <laughs> Hi, Charlie from Brews Beers here. Our new Belgian Abbey Four Pack is a mixed package of the four core beers made in Abbey and Trappist breweries in Belgium. So we have a single, a double, a triple, and a quadruple in one package. Now, quadruples are the emperors of Belgian monastery ales. They're dark in color uh, with a dense tan head and alcohol ranging from 8 to 12%. So they're pretty strong. Quadruples are very rich and complex with big maltiness, uh, spice, and flavors of raisins, cherries, and plums. Alcohol is apparent in the mouthfeel, but not overwhelming. Uh, even at 10.5% ABV. So the finish is long, complex, and dry, and they're great beers anytime, by themselves or with hearty foods. Pick up your Abbey Four Pack at either Brews location, 67th and Pencos, or at Colfax in York, and at fine liquor stores throughout the Denver metro area. Take home some Belgian-style badassery this kitchen today. Studio Kitchen Colorado also houses Emily Griffith Culinary Quick Start in the evenings, Monday through Thursdays at the three-week course. It's a gimme. It's free to you. Whether you're a home cook, you want to get into the business, or you just want to sharpen your skills, Emily Griffith Culinary Quick Start is for you. After the segment that we play for you from Proud Souls, we're going to jump to another segment that was pasta-making right in this kitchen last night. Making education cool again. That's what we're doing. And people, I'll tell you what. If you like to watch people cook food and you like to participate and you want to be involved in community, food, and the efforts that takes place right here at Studio Kitchen Colorado, go to the Modern Eater website, themoderneater.com. Click on the Emily Griffith Culinary Quick Start. What you will see there are two things, a way to sign up if you want to be a student and a way to grab students for your kitchen if you are a restaurateur, a manager, what have you. If you're in the business or you want to be in the business, this is for you. Emily Griffith Culinary Quick Start. Hi. Back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> this is for the outtake version. What's up, Denver? I am Chef Natasha Hess, and this is Chef Carrie Baird, and we are at the Ginger Pig. Check us out, gingerpig.com. You can also see us on the moderneater.com. Thanks, everybody. It's cornstarch. I know. It's cool. 
Welcome back to Studio Kitchen Colorado, home of the modern eater. I'm Juan Padro sitting in for Greg Hollenbeck while he's kicking it in Florida with his dad. I hope he's having a great time, but I'm having a better time. I've got co-host Amanda Faison here from Dining I'm Out. I'm better than Florida. You're way better than Florida. <laughs> way better. So I get so blessed to have you here. Uh, what an exciting show we just had. Uh, just to recap, we had Chef Taj Cook uh, in from Miss Betty's, and uh, he's got a really cool pop-up going to happen at Pony Up uh, mm -hmm. on uh, Valentine's Day, uh, and this is one of the busiest guys around, so he's doing all these kind of cool pop-ups. So make sure you get out there, find him, look, look at what he's doing. He's cooking some incredible uh, Caribbean soul food, really. Jamaican food is really his bread and butter, but just a lot of really great stuff. Uh, Fael Ali from Illa Gallery, who, uh, you know, is, he's, he's been in media for a long time, but he, he, he started an art gallery and, and he promotes artists of, of all uh, colors, but uh, this is Black History Month and uh, he's got an incredible curated program uh, with young black artists. Uh, Illa Gallery is down on South Columbia. I can't remember the exact address. Do you remember? I want to say it's like 209, but don't take I, it's, it's around there's a nine in, in it. Klamath. It's yeah. Illa, I-L-A, Gallery, Fael Ali. Make sure you follow them uh, out on social media. Some of the best art I have seen uh, in Colorado, really anywhere. Uh, I've bought a fair amount of it, um, and uh, so I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan. Uh, so I've put my money where my mouth is, <laughs> for sure. Uh, we had Adrian Miller, uh, the soul food scholar, uh, talking about his new book, Black Smoke, uh, talking a little bit about black history. Uh, this is Black History Month, and this was an incredibly important show for us to do. Um, and uh, I'm just really, really, really blessed to have been out here today. So I'm looking forward to Where Juan Eats. It's my second episode of that. Um, we're actually going to go off and, and uh, to the Mango House uh, which is up on Galena and Colfax, Amanda, mm -hmm. and it's a refugee center. Uh, and it's got uh, five food stalls. It's got uh, uh, from uh, anything from Sudanese food to uh, East African food to Lebanese food, Syrian food, and Burmese food. And uh, I met a, a young guy named Siri uh, who emigrated from Burma uh, to Thailand and then to America. And he's got a place called Urban Burma. And I got to tell you, one of my five favorite places to eat last year period. amazing anywhere i went amazing um, and siri so. siri Tan is incredible yeah so let's get after it jay what do you think yeah well you had a fun guest too that you are because it's you don't want to just go out to lunch with me but going out to lunch with the swirl girls <laughs> that's is, right it's a lot different that makes should, it, that makes it a lot better you know i could talk about her for an entire hour because she's intelligent uh, she's beautiful. She knows food. Her palate's way better than mine. So, Who is she? Because you know. I know her Kendra as a Squirrel Anderson Girl. Kendra Anderson is right. Squirrel Girl. And right. uh, she uh, had Bar Helix for a long time, and uh, she's one of my best friends in the world um, and uh, just somebody I have a ton of respect for. So uh, Kendra and I went out, and uh, we, had, we had lunch at, uh, at Urban Burma, and uh, Jay got an opportunity to kind of record that. And, um, and just, you know, she doesn't get out of Denver very much. Mm -hmm. She likes to stay downtown. So, you know, we got her in the car. She drove well <laughs> beyond her comfort zone, and she is adamant that she will be going back. So if you don't believe me, that's okay. Kendra Anderson is on uh, this show as well, or in this segment as well. And if you don't believe Kendra, then you just are a hater and can't believe yeah, anybody. Yeah, too bad for you, basically. <laughs> so, all right, where Juan eats. Hey you guys, Juan Padro here at the Mango House in Aurora, Colorado with my good friend Kendra Anderson and this is Where Juan Eats. Hi Juan! 
Hey Siri, how are good you? Good to man? see you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is for what you. We got? So we got the green tea leaf oh. salad. Okay. And then this is shan noodle. Wow. This Look at that. Pork. Beautiful. Yeah. Look at these colors I would on both of this. Take this and then Thanks, Siri. one more dish coming. Oh, we got another dish coming. Listen. Coconut uh, and chickpea broth. We call Ono Kosue. Okay. All right, this is where Juan eats. We're at the Mango House here in Aurora, Colorado, uh, with Kendra Anderson is coming here. It's one of my uh, favorite lunch dates uh, ever. And uh, with my good friend Siri, uh, who happens to be from Burma, and uh, he brought Burmese food to Colorado, and urban Burma is, uh, is, is a pretty amazing place. So I do want to talk about the food, Siri, but tell us how the heck you got here, man. So... I got here from Tha like uh, Thailand in 2014. Okay. So, yeah, but I'm originally from Burma. I grew up uh, in Burma. So you emigrated to, to Bangkok? Yes. Emigrated to Bangkok. Okay. Uh, no, uh, Mesa. Uh, Thai, uh, Chiang Mai. Chiang Mai. Chiang Mai. Okay, Chiang Mai. great. And then, <clears throat> yeah, so I got here in 2014 and worked with the uh, nonprofit organization, which is helping, uh, you know, refugees uh, who live in Denver, uh -huh. and I, li I worked there for five years. Really? And then, um, and then I was, I, I've been noticed, like, we need Burmese food. We need more, uh, basically, like, uh, more, um, you know. All the ethnic uh, food, really. Uh, all the ethnic, right. yeah, but basically Asian food, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I, I, I've been to California. There are a lot of different Asian food, mm -hmm. authentic. And so when I, should I keep talking? So when I've been in Denver, you know, I like pho, but I can't yeah. eat every day. You know, right. I can't eat every week. So I like more, you know, options. And then I, I noticed there's no Burmese. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to, st that made me, you know. Uh, uh, that's wanna, where you're from and you miss that. I'm sure like, yeah. it's like some nostalgia and like you miss home maybe a little bit. And this is the food that you grew up with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Tell us about this stuff. All right. What do we got? We got, we got three dishes here. So this is called shan noodle. So one of the... A state that I grew up, uh -huh. uh, so it's an ethnic. Uh, Shan is one of the ethnic from Burma. Okay, okay. so okay. I, yeah, ethnic city. So I also grew up in Shan State, and I would say where is that in in Burma? It was in north. Oh wait, east. East. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> no, so east of Burma, and and they have the most delicious food. Oh. So okay. Shan peoples make one of I would say the most. Delicious food. Tell us about the noodle. Is it an egg noodle, a rice noodle? Uh, it's a rice noodle. Okay. And then it's a fermented uh, green mustard and then fermented uh, soybeans with fresh... Uh, um, Scallion? Yeah, <laughs> uh, green onion. And then we use uh, sesame seeds and then chicken uh, with the, the bean, uh, flat bean leaf mm -hmm. uh, with the chicken broth. So some really interesting ingredients, yeah. Kendra. We don't really get to see that very often. No, I yeah. feel like there's not nearly enough fermented foods or pickled foods or anything like that in yeah. the typical cuisine you Is that here. normal across Burma, the amount of fermented food? Do you use a lot of fermented foods? Uh, some, but yeah. not like Korean. Korean eat more yeah. fermented, right. but we also eat fermented okay. stuff like tea leaf salad. You know, tea leaf is a fermented tea leaf. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to ferment it. Uh, that's make the, the, the most delicious and unique flavor of the tea leaf salad. 
Okay. Tiri salad is uh, the whole Burmese uh, national dish. This is the oh, national wow. dish of Burma. Yes. Salad. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So tell me, wh- how, how did that become? How did that become the national dish? Is that <clears throat> because... Um, because Shan noodle is specifically for sh- you know the Shan ethnic city, uh-huh. and the, the tea leaves is um, for like Bur- Burmese Shan everybody eat tea leaf salad. Okay, is it because it's very like common ingredients? Yes. Or okay. Uh-huh. And then also the tea leaf is the best tea leaf fermented tea leaf come from Shan State. Oh, is that because right? of the because of the elevation, mm-hmm. and mm. because that's why you know the uh, tea leaf grow. The best tea leaf you can get if it's in from Shen State. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, that is cool. I don't what know it, if I've even heard of a dish that worked with, with tea leaves in it. Instead of yeah. a beverage, right? More yeah. a savory dish. I don't right. think mm-hmm. I've ever had that. Yeah, that's why it's unique. Yeah. And you can only get it at Burmese restaurants. I always joke to customers, if you... If Thai people, other uh, Asian people put it in, into their menu, we can sue them. <laughs> because you, it's only Burmese, you know? Sounds good. Okay, we have a third dish right here. Tell us about this. So, Ono Kosue is um, so based on the coconut uh, cream or milk mm-hmm. and, um, and then chickpea uh, broth. Okay. It's a, uh, it looks thick. Yeah. It's so, th- is it a chickpea puree? Yes. Okay. So, chickpea puree with coconut. Yeah, okay. and, and then the chicken, mm-hmm. uh, the boiled egg. This is Burmese traditional dish. Okay. Yeah, so this okay. is Burmese traditional. And what are these yummy looking? <coughs> Those are. Uh, um, it's a noodle, you know. Okay. But uh, we fry it, so oh. it make you crunchy. Oh. Crunchy now when you. Still eat. rice noodle based rice. Yes, rice. Okay. It's rice and it's a uh, uh, gluten free. Yeah, it's gluten free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vegan yeah. gluten free. Vegan so, gluten-free. So I noticed on your menu, you say that most of your dishes can be made gluten-free and dairy-free? Yes. Okay. So that's pretty amazing. So generally speaking, Burmese food, you consider to be pretty healthy cuisine? Um, it's a uh, newer generation, yes. So okay. our newer generation eat, like, healthier. Uh-huh. Like, I would say the, the, the curry dishes used to be very, very oily. Mm. Used to be. And then, you know... Um, the newer generation noticed that uh, too much oil is not healthy for you. So we nowadays, like people eat more, like less oil. Is it because people went to other Asian countries and came back with that knowledge, or like how did that kind of evolve, or just did the internet help with that, or like? Oh yeah, all included. You know, people been, t- you know, um, more people like after Burma opened it. Uh-huh. Um, so more people go to uh, overseas living in a bra. So you know they they started um, like educated from Got other it. country. But Shan people eat the most healthy food. Okay. Interesting. They eat yeah. I would say Shan foods are more healthy. Kendra Burma is like the most interesting country because it was closed off from the rest of the yeah, world for so yeah, long. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, so, so everything that's kind of coming in that we're learning right now is, you know, there's some pretty amazing stuff and an incredible history. And yeah. you've had an incredible journey uh, yeah, uh, oh. here. And, and uh, I'm glad we've become friends over the last couple My of years. My story uh, uh, can make a book. Yeah, <laughs> I should say. Well, it's an incredible story, and your food is awesome. So, I'm, if you, you don't mind, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig in. <laughs> oh, please, <laughs> let's oh, do it. I do want to try this. I don't think I've had this yet. Mm. So this I'm so excited. Yeah, shall I squeeze this lime? 
Oh yeah, if you want yeah. to, like just try with a little bit, and okay. then after you, mm. you know, mix it up, you can add okay. more. Wow. Yeah. Carboiled egg makes everything better. <coughs> nice. You haven't tried this one, right? I haven't had this dish. Would no. you like to, uh, to have like stir it up too? Would you like chili? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, spicy is always better. You. This is a really, really, really nice noodle. Yeah. So, my chopstick skills are not awesome. But yeah, this is going to make you game change. Oh, good. Oh, ma'am. Yeah. yeah, but that's delicious. I want chili on everything. Yeah, this is, this this is, is not a very, very hot, so don't worry. Uh-oh. Wish me luck. <laughs> Boom. Oh, thank you. Yes, yeah. I'll make a big mess. Yeah. I'm trying not to get it on my microphone. <laughs> Kendra, what do you think? What's going on over there in your mouth? So many, so many delicious things. I love the spicy. It's very kind of creamy, but there's no dairy, right? No, it's yeah. a dairy-free. The only thing we cannot make dairy-free are uh, only two things, uh, beef curry and chicken curry. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it's already make, make it, you know? Uh -huh. um, mm in it so we cannot avoid um so yeah only two things but yeah. m most Ooh. of the dishes that we make like i would say shan noodle onokasue in burma i don't think people provide with vegetarian option no right so because a lot of meat in burma people yeah are, yeah uh we are meat eater <laughs> okay <laughs> when I'm, gonna, I'm gonna keep my chopsticks and I know Kendra's enjoying that noodle dish quite a bit. I want to grab some of this tea leaf salad. So this is the, the, the national mm. dish of Burma. And we have fermented tea leaves. With the, a lot of uh, crunchy beans, like yeah. flat beans, uh, yellow lentil, uh -huh. uh, peanut, and then sesame seeds. Mm. And yeah, a lot of- Come on, man, this is so good. Thank you. That's amazing. Kendra. So good, it's super comforting. This is unbelievable. Okay. The textures of this, and then there's like, it's got like a little bit of, of, of vinegar and. Okay. What, is there some spice in here? Yeah, it has spices already because the the fermented tea leaf has already, you know. What is so, this? Oh Which wow. One? This is this a bean? Yeah, it's a flat Yum. flat, a flat bean. bean. So this is the green leaf that in in this noodle dish. Mm -hmm. It's from that bean. No way. That that plant's leaf. I, I don't know what it is called. It's just like so much umami with the fermented flavor. It just like adds all this texture and depth. Yeah, I think so you're right great. on, Kendra, when you're talking yeah. about like the need for more of that in our in our cuisine here in Colorado. Ma'am. And I feel like in the U.S. lately, you know, the research is talking about the benefits of fermented foods. Right. For gut health, for all of these, you yes. know, kind of beneficial mm -hmm. reasons that it's important to start including more fermented foods. So I think this is a, this would be a great way for people to start to figure that stuff out. You know, if people yeah. aren't familiar. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's hard to yeah. try something new. Yeah. You know? I also think, you know, people are familiar with noodles and they are familiar with curries and they are familiar with rice and they are familiar. So you're familiar with a lot of the ingredients in Burmese food, but yeah, you know, you just may not you know, when you say Burmese food, you just made me like, okay, I'm going to go and get ramen instead because I don't really know oh my the God. difference. And I got to be honest with you. I mean, this is wow, pretty spectacular stuff. So Thank you. Thank you. I love it. <clears throat> so, 
I think a lot of people probably don't know where Burma is. Yeah. Don't know. Yeah, I don't the blame The difference them. between Burma and other South Asian countries. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is going to be a lot for people. So by the time they get past that hurdle, they're not sure where to start from a cuisine perspective. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think all of this food is super approachable. Yeah, yeah, I agree. This salad just tastes like the best salad I've ever had. I it's. I was. I, I wish all. I haven't seen like this. that American who doesn't like the tea leaves. <laughs> you haven't <laughs> met anybody. Yeah. Wow. I've brought friends up here because they've craved mm. tea leaf salad. Is that soy that's giving the saltiness? Or oh, what's the yeah, <coughs> the saltiness also and the spices, and then like the the other dish or uh, taste that you mm-hmm. never. It's all come from uh, the the Fish fermented taste? tea leaf. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So cool, right? And then that crunchy beans. Yeah. Give you um, what everything do you call? is so good. Spice. Yeah. Oh my god! I need this every day. Right? I think I would eat that every day, and I'm not kidding. I definitely would. There's <laughs> very few things I can say that about that I could eat every yeah, day. Yeah, that's great. And tea leaf salad is one of them. Is it hard to prepare? Oh uh, uh, no, because it's. Um, no, this is, uh, we can make it quick. Mm. We use, uh, yeah, two different, uh, uh, like sesame oil, mm-hmm. and then... Oh, I can taste the sesame. Yeah. Super nutty, oil, yeah. And then uh, onion, like fried onion oil. Awesome. So, so Siri, what would you like people to know about Urban Burma, your, your food stall here at the Mango House? Yeah, so if you would like to try new, authentic, uh, like new ethnic you know taste mm-hmm. uh, I, w- I would recommend like you know if if, if you like coming Asian, on down what are your hours uh we open tuesday to saturday okay. uh 11 to 8 p.m yep lunch and, and i would just nice. like everybody to know if they need a lunch date or a dinner date to urban burma i am available for that at any time because this is one of my favorite places to eat in all of colorado wow. maybe right now anywhere in the country i wow. love it so much so you know what? Uh, another thing is we also going to start a food trailer very soon. I was oh, going to say, yeah, what about the catering food truck or food truck? That's yeah. amazing. That'll yeah. get you a lot more. You know, bring it into the city and people yeah. can try it. And then yeah. they'll come yeah. out here. Yeah. And I yeah. do need to give a special shout out to Mark Antonesian from the Westward who uh, who recommended uh, that I come out here a couple years ago. And, uh, and Siri and I actually have become friends. We've actually hung out a, a, a fair amount and... Uh, he's been to my restaurants, and he's, uh, he's my he's my business uh, mentor. Yours <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else in the cities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, just as uh, it's exciting for me to be out here and be able to talk about your food and and uh, tell folks and from the modern eater that follow the modern eater about what you're doing, and also I've been telling Kendra, who's one of my best friends, and you know Living about Denver? this. I do. She yes. Does. Oh. And, uh, and I've been telling her about this forever. It's she true. doesn't venture that far outside of Nothing downtown. <laughs> but something tells me she's going to come back here. I will definitely be back. It was so <laughs> nice you. to meet you. And nice everything was you. delicious. Thank you. All right, Thank brother. You. It's great to see you, man. Great to see you, too. All, All right, man. Oh. Proud of you. Thank you. All right, guys. Urban Burma at the Mango House. And it's out in Aurora on the corner of Colfax and Galena out here. And this is where Juan eats.